Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Well, it's great to be with you guys this morning. Pastor Roy is up in Ringe. My name is Steve Keys. I'm a pastor that attends this church. Always glad to help Roy when I can and to be able to teach and to speak to you guys. And let me just start out by saying this, that when Jesus was here on this earth and when he would teach, he would often quote the Old Testament. He would go back and refer back to some of these 39 books that make up the Old Testament. And what he quoted most, based on what is listed for us in the Gospels, is from one book. And I'm going to talk to you about that book today. That book is called the Book of Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is an interesting, interesting book. The name of the book means second law. Put up two fingers like that and say with me that. What does it mean? Second law. You say, what does that mean? Well, I will tell you. When there's a duet, that's when two people are singing, right? And the word namas, which gets the rest of the word Deuteronomy, talks about the name, the name. And so the law. So you've got two law, the name of the law, and that's what it's speaking about. And it's about the re-giving of the original Ten Commandments to the children of Israel. First time that the children of Israel received the Ten Commandments was at Mount Sinai in Exodus, Exodus chapter 20. And now you find in Deuteronomy, Moses listing again for the children of Israel the Ten Commandments. So it's a kind of a repeat of what's told earlier in the book. And the reason is, why would you need to do that a second time? Hadn't they already heard the Ten Commandments? Do they need another renew of it? And the reason is, absolutely. And the reason is because when Moses gave it, they had not yet started their journey to, to, to Israel from Egypt, which took 40 years. So by the time Deuteronomy comes around, those 40 years have passed. And now there's a whole new generation that's been raised up, which is about to enter the Promised Land. They were not here. They were, not, they were very young at that particular time when that was done. And so... God reiterates the Ten Commandments for the people now as they're about to enter the land of Israel, the promised land that we call it. And I'm sure they all said, yay, it's finally over, all this walking around in the wilderness. I'm looking forward to getting into our homeland, a place where God has given us and chosen for us. The whole book takes place in about one month. It's a very short time period, and it's all in one location. The location is on the plains of Moab. Moab was a country that was right up against Israel, and it was real close. If this is Israel here, Moab was a smaller nation that was right here. They were right here on the verge of being able to go right into this land. The land of Israel is split in two by the Jordan River, and they were about to take this new land that God has given them. And this whole book is about one main thing. It's about moving from the past, all the things they had experienced in Egypt, all the 40 years of wandering, and moving into the future. The homeland we're about to have. All these new things we're going to in, in, in see and experience now in this part of our life. Finally getting to the place where God said he would give us and send us. And here's what I found to be true. When you move from the past to the future, it's hard for most people because they often get stuck in the past. Because something happens, something didn't go right, bottom fell out of somewhere along the way, and they're stuck here, and they're always looking backwards at the past, not realizing the future that God has for you. And a better something than you had before. And the children of Israel often would do that. So much the fact, the point, that, that my grandparents call this the what? Good 
old days. Yeah, you know it, don't you? The good old days. What did they? What did she mean? The days when we were alive, not when you're living. This is a bunch of chaos today. We lived in the good old days. When you look back to the past, that's what you tend to think. And sometimes people that live like that dread the future of what's coming up because it's so easy. It's easy to be fearful about the future. You watch the news. It's easy to be fearful about the future. When we see things that might happen or could happen or is Russia going to use nuclear war and start a war, you have all this stuff that's just going everywhere, which is the future, and it's easy to be scared. Now, the book of Deuteronomy is Moses preaching to his people there in Moab. He preaches three sermons to them, and then he dies. That's the, that's the whole point of the book. I read the whole, point, I read the whole book this morning early. A lot of rules he gives them, a lot of regulations, a lot of lessons on how to live. And he gives them all this stuff, and then he's gone. He dies. And that's kind of what the book is about. He tells the people nine times in the book, do not forget the past. Because when you do, it can lead to arrogance, and it can lead to disobedience. So don't forget the past of where you come from. That's an important thing. But when you prosper in the future, here... Never forget, it is God that has given you everything in your future that's good. Everything you have today is given to you as a gift of God. It's an amazing thing. Deuteronomy 4.23 says this. One of his do nots. Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Okay? Then Moses focusing on what they had to look forward to in God's preferred future with his people. There are over 200 references in the book of, of Deuteronomy that use this expression, the land. Say that with me out loud. The land, 200 times. They were told to possess it, don't fear it. You're going to be enemies there. You're going to have to fight battles there. But every wall will fall. Every battle will fall because I'm going before you. It might not look like it will work, but it will because I'm on your side and I'm behind you. And that's what God told them. And it's your inheritance. It's something that I've long ago said I will give you, and an inheritance is passed down to you. That's a beautiful thing, an inheritance. When I started thinking the first Sunday we were here on Palm Sunday, how I looked around this big, beautiful building and went like this. Wow. I looked at all the parking spaces and said, Wow. I walked around the beautiful hallways, and I walked back in the children's area and saw all those rooms where our kids are now and all the space we have here, and I said, wow, this is our land. This is where you are. I went out to lunch with Pastor Ryan a few weeks ago, the pastor of Monaghan Baptist, and I had never met him, and I met him and had a great lunch together with him and just listened to his heart about his church and how he let us come here and all the things that happen behind the scenes that most of you don't know anything about to work out all the details so this could happen and these two churches could merge together and be in one location here on this place. And when I heard how grateful he was that he were here, it just made me want to thank him and love him and appreciate him for opening up this beautiful facility that we could come in and use. Because he is the exception rather than the rule of most people the way they think about their building. And he was very, very open about this, saying this is God's building. And we're going to use it with you. We'll use it for us. I didn't realize this. He actually has two other churches that meet here in different parts of the building as well. So there's four churches meeting here any given weekend. 
This is a man that loves God and says, hey, yeah, let's just thank God for him. I think, what a great attitude this guy had. Over and over in the book, people are told this. Make a wise choice. When you hear, you've got to do what you hear. And when you hear, you have to keep what it is you've heard. And often people would hear things and do nothing with it. But he says, no, keep marching forward in your future toward the future blessings of God I have for you, my people. Now, there's some key truths found in the book of Deuteronomy. Let's look at chapter 10 and verse 12 through 13. Here's what it says. And now, O Lord, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. Now let's look at Deuteronomy 27.9. Then Moses and the priest, who were the Levites, said to all Israel, Be silent, all Israel, and listen. You now have become the people of the Lord your God. Were they not before? Somewhat they were. But now the people of God were in the place God had for them, and he calls them in this phrase, you're my people. When you're in the right place at the right time for the right reason. And all of a sudden, that's where they were, and he calls them this beautiful expression, you are my people. And then Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20. This day, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, and I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now, you can have your choice. I think I'll always choose life over death. I think I'll always choose blessing over cursing. But did you know that many people choose death and many people choose cursing? Because that's what the, the devil comes to do is to steal, kill, and destroy and to get you to make bad choices. But God says make the right choices. Choose life. And I love this verse, choose life. It's a beautiful thing so that you and your children may live. Now, here's the three things I want you to see today. That you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. He will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's just remember those three phrases like this. Put your hands right here on your heart and say, love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. Say it again one more time. Love the Lord your God. Put your hand on your ear right now and say, listen to his voice. Ready? Listen to his voice. What's the first one? Love the Lord your God. What's the second thing? Listen to his voice. And what's the last thing? Put your hands like this and say, hold on to him. Just, just grab him around the waist and say, if you ain't going, I'm not going anywhere. You want to live a successful life for your preferred future? That's how you do it. You love the Lord your God with all your heart. You listen to his voice in his word and as he speaks to you. And then you hold fast to him no matter what circumstance happens in your life. When you do, you'll be A-OK. -okay. It may not always look perfect or like you would have expected. Matter of fact, looking back at my life, it was very rarely what I ever expected. But it all turned out so far OK. Because I've tried my best at least to do this. Because these ancient words still guide me and I hope guide you today. Our church, I know Roy, I know our team, I know our church for the last couple of years I've been here. And I know we live by these truths. We want to do this. We're a voice of God ministry. And that Pastor Roy wants to hear from God before he preaches, before he makes a decision, before he leads us to do something. To buy the property that we brought was a, was a decision that he made as he heard from God about some land that we own. That one day we'll be on in our own building. But until then, this is our chapter now. This is our story. 
We're here in this land, in this place. Well, he heard from God, met with this guy, and all of a sudden, here we all are. So I'm glad we're in a ministry where we have a pastor and a staff who want to hear from God, want to hear his voice, to know what we should do to care for all of you guys in our wonderful ministry. It's an amazing thing, how to move and lead forward. Now, in this story, it's really kind of sad at one point, too, that Moses died and didn't get to go into the promised land. He was buried by God himself. And the reason was, I told you a few times ago when I spoke here, that he, that he struck a rock one time when he was supposed to, and the second time he was supposed to speak to the rock, but he struck it again. And God says, you will not enter the, the promised land because you disobeyed me. I explained that all to you a while back. Don't have time to do it today. You can go back and listen about four or five months ago, and you can see what I said in this church if you want to learn more about that. <laughs> if you don't, you can read it yourself and study it. But it's interesting. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy. 34... Then the Lord said, this is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. Oh, the balloon has burst. <clears throat> and Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said, and he buried him in Moab. Isn't it interesting that God buried Moses? In the valley opposite Beth Peor, but to this day, no one knows where his grave is. So if you go to a trip to the Holy Land, guess what? You're not going to be able to go see the, the grave of Moses. Nobody knows where it is. Some people, it's over here. I think it's here. Maybe over there. Some people believe it. No one knows. There's two kinds of sites in Israel. And I went one time with Ray Vanderlaan, this guy who knows more about Israel, and he's forgotten more, like drinking out of a, war, a water hose listening to this guy, Fire Hydrant, tell, teach about Israel when I was with him. He says, I'm going to take you to some A-sites, and A-site is exactly, we know for sure, this is biblical, this is where this happened. For example, in the ruins of Capernaum, they, they found the synagogue. There was only one synagogue in every city, if they had one at all. So we know when Jesus taught in the synagogue at Capernaum, that's an A-site. You see that a there are other sites that are, you know, me, not so sure, C, we really don't know. D, F sites, we don't have a clue. This is, uh, the grave of Moses is an F site. Don't let anybody take you there. <laughs> this is where Moses, no, you don't know that, okay? All right, here we go. It says, Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. That, that word there actually means he was still able to bear children. That's what that word, his strength was not gone. That's what that expression means in Hebrew. Moses died. So Moses didn't make it to the promised land. Let's all feel sorry for Moses and say, oh, ready? Oh, oh, but did he get to go? Yes, he did. You say, well, I thought you said he wasn't able to. Right. Let me ask you this question. There's only one answer. I think you'll all know it, but I hope you'll all jump in and say the right word. Here we go. Ready? Is God a God of mercy? Yes. Great answer. Is God a God of forgiveness? Yes. Is God a God of second chances? Yes. Hey, you answered pretty well. I'll give you all an A. Ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. Now, look at the New Testament passage where Jesus took some of his closest disciples up on a mountain and look at the welcoming committee that was there. Matthew 17, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, brother of James, led them up to a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as the light. 
Just then there, there appeared before them who? Moses. Is that on the screen? It's not even up there. We, we don't, I'm bringing these things thinking all these are up there, but I'm sorry for some reason they're not up there. Okay, here's what it says. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. So that's the good news. Moses did make it to the promised land. But in the future, not when he wanted to go, he was finally there. Now, we teach here at Outreach Church that God's kingdom is here and now. That we can experience marvelous, amazing things on this world and in our ministries right now. But we also know this, the best we can experience here will simply pale in comparison to what we will one day see and be able to behold when we're with the Lord forever. But we got it here, and we got it now, but it's going to be something else one day. Now, if you're familiar with the promised land vision that God gave to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then, you know, to his, 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 Moses eventually, all these people, where the borders of this promised land were supposed to be. Now, when you read and you study the history of it, they didn't really ever quite make it, all of those borders. They didn't get all that land. They didn't ever quite make it. Not at any point did they reach the dimensions that were promised totally to them. But they thought they would found a kind of a just community, kind of a, a community we could be in harmony with God and our other people around us here. That's what we wanted to do, but that never quite seemed to be realized. And so the story of Deuteronomy ends. It ends with the vision of Moses looking out from the mountaintop, imagining what the promised land should be, and could be for his people to love and enjoy. And really it was. Though he would never actually see it in this life. And the great question I used to get from my children. When we would start out on a journey. We would often go to Dallas, Texas for Christmas where our family lived. We'd pile them all in the back of a Ford Aerostar van. This is before seatbelts. And they would just put be sleeping on the floor under the back seats. And I would drive all night. 16 hours to get to Dallas, Texas. But if they happened to wake up anywhere along the journey, they would have words they would always ask me. And the words are what? Have y'all been on the same trip before with your kids? Wow. It's not, it's not just our kids that ask that question. Are we there yet? The answer, no, go back to sleep. <laughs> For the thousand miles we stop. Are we there yet? No, use the bathroom, get back in the van. We're going, are we there yet? No, there we had that? No. Until finally, we were there yet. And we finally got there. Once we finally got to our destination, I remember my son Aaron, who was a little boy laying under the seat. He, he, when he went to sleep, he was really sleeping almost the whole way. And after 16 hours of me popping no-dos and drinking drinks to keep me awake and holding my eyes like this and my wife patting my head or something, you know, along the journey just so I could, wouldn't fall asleep, we got all the way to Texas. Aaron woke up and said, man... This trip wasn't so bad this year after all. I said, yeah, for you, laying in the floorboard is not bad, but it was awful for me. But glad we finally made it safely and made it back home safely. Now, in our church, when we come to this church, we glimpse our promised land every time we sing in corporate worship. When we were singing Yeshua, when we were singing I Love You, Lord, we were singing... I'll praise you. All the stuff we were singing for half an hour or so, that's when we were, we were sensing and seeing our, that's our promised land. And we're seeing the glory of God and we're seeing the presence of God 
sensing that in our, in our church. Every time we pray together as a church family, every time you greet one another or give a person a hug or a handshake and say, hey, welcome today. Glad that you're here. We do that in harmony and unity, and we take communion. We did that a couple of weeks ago, and we all take communion together. We join with millions of people around the world who took communion during that same time period. And so we get to have little glimpses of heaven along the way. We get a taste of it in our house, our fellowship, what it's like to be a part of a community. It makes no difference if you're black or white. It makes no difference if you're educated or uneducated or whether you're male or female, young or old or poor or rich. It makes no difference when you come into this house. We're all part of this body and this family. And that's a beautiful, beautiful picture of the future for all of us. God's kingdom is on the move here at Outreach. If you don't think so, I mean, Easter and Palm Sunday, this building was packed solid. We went from those tiny little building that we were in before with a couple of services to all of a sudden, boom, and everybody came. And so all of a sudden, we had this place just crowded and full. It's pretty awesome. And every miracle that takes place, every act of love, every sacrifice, whenever you see things like that happen, when you see the volunteers who serve, when you see people worshiping, I see it on people's faces when they come in, and I realize this is our preferred future. It's a beautiful thing. Disney World right now is not in a good place. It's going through some real bad changes right now. People are protesting outside the parks. Stocks have dropped 30%. Some people have said, if Walt Disney were alive today, he would turn over in his grave as to what's going with that organization right at this particular moment. But Walt really did die. He died in 1966, five years before Disney World was ever opened. And someone at the executives of that day of dedication made this statement. They said, it's very disappointing that Walt Disney died and never lived to see the opening. And one of his old friends looked at him and said this, oh, he saw it. That's why it's here. He saw it. There's a preferred future for all of you. God knows. When you start to get a glimpse of what that looks like for your life, you'll be on the right path and the right track. And what a great place for you to be. So as we leave today, I simply encourage you to do this. Hang in there. Don't quit. When your friends disappoint you, <laughs> when you disappoint yourself, when your dreams have been shattered, then you say, Lord, bring me up on that mountain at like Moses where it was high and I could see the promised land out here. Give me a vision of a new day dawning. When you're out of work, when you're out of health, when you're out of luck, when you've been beaten, betrayed, empty, you name it. Lord, lift me up to that mountaintop with Jesus. And finally, Deuteronomy 4.30. When you're in distress and all these things have happened to you, God says in your preferred future, there's going to be what? Distress. And when that happens to you, in the latter days, what's going to happen to you, you will return to the Lord your God and obey him. It's never too late to come home to God. And here's a statement I want to say to you. Your mistakes may define your past. They certainly do me and a lot of you. But the good news is they don't have to define your future. And that's the good news. For some of you that hadn't been here long, you may not have heard Roy's testimony. The first time I heard Roy's testimony, my mouth about fell on the floor. 
when he told me how his past was like compared to the man I now know him and see him to be as the pastor of our church. Like, what a future Roy has had because of the transformation of God in his life. And that can happen not just to Roy and Patty and me and Curtis and David and Gladie. All the, no, it can happen for every person in this room. You can come back to God no matter what it is you're going through. Don't quit. Don't stay stuck here. Mm, just keep moving toward this future. So remember this lesson from the book of Deuteronomy. I'm going to say it out loud. Here we go. One more time. Love God. What's this one? Hear his voice. What's this one? Hold on to him. So that's what I want for you. Extend your hand.